Well, there I stood, a sophomore in high school, on the basketball court. Complete silence in the gym because everybody had inhaled. And we were all watching the same thing. We were watching the basketball that I had just shot as it floated through the air toward the goal. And I realized in that moment, everything hung in the air with that ball. It's like time slowed down. You ever been there? If it goes in, or if it misses, two vastly different outcomes. But I say everything hugging the balance because we were playing a basketball game when I was a sophomore in Louisville. We were playing St. X and we were from Pulaski and we didn't have any business competing with those guys. But we got to the last eight seconds of the game and we were down three and we had the ball under their basket. So we had to go the full length of the court and hit a three to tie it. So coach called a timeout, pulled us all over. We're sitting on the bench, he pulls out the marker board, draws up the play. You're gonna go here, you're gonna go here, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do this. Explains to us how we're gonna do this, how we're gonna win this game. We're gonna tie it up, we're gonna go into overtime. So he draws up this play and he drew it up so that our best, no, not our best, our highest percentage three-point shooter would be taking the final shot. His name was Brandon. The problem with the plan that coach came up with is that the ball had to go through me to get to Brandon. And I'd already made up my mind. If I have the ball and I'm open, I'm shooting. I was made for this. I mean, this is the moment I've rehearsed in my driveway ever since I was a kid over and over. You think I'm turning that down? That ain't happening. That ain't happening. So we ran the play. I catch the ball on the left wing. I'm open. I see Brandon pop open and I let it fly. And there it was. And everything hung in the balance because not did just the game and the outcome of the game hang in the balance. But if I miss, my teammates are gonna be angry. Brandon's gonna be angry. And coach is gonna be ticked. And so there I was in that moment with everybody else in that gym and, and the balls floating towards the rim four seconds, three seconds. And this overwhelming pressure became real to me in that moment. And I realized in that moment, man, everything hangs in the balance with that ball. Because I've deviated from the plan. Now if I make it, all will be forgiven, right? That's how it seems to work in sports. If I make it, man, you got a lot of guts. Congratulations, but if I miss, 
And so there I was in that moment. And for a long time in my life, the feelings that I had during that moment, the way that, that I thought about that moment was also the way that I thought about God's will in my life. Let me explain that to you just a little bit. See, I, I kind of had this feeling, I, I kind of had this sense that, that God's will was like a specific play that had been drawn up. And that I was to go out and execute that. And it was black or white. It was in or out. It was make or miss. It was high pressure. You got to get this right. You have to execute God's plan for your life. And that's how I viewed it. That's how I thought about God's will. It was like the same thing that I felt in that moment. It was like this pressure. It was like this, this overwhelmingness. That's not a word. Maybe it is. But that's what it was like. And that, that's how I viewed God's will. And there's a couple of things that I've noticed about God's will. Being a Christian and being around people who are Christians and who are following God. You, you, you start to observe a, a few things, and, and I want to share two of them with you today. I'm sure there are more. They're very simple. The first one is this. God's will is important. God's will is important. When you look at, at, at Christians and, and you see whenever they have a big decision to make or whatever, it becomes obvious that God's will is an important thing. Now, even if you aren't a Christian or maybe you don't even believe in God, you would probably be willing to concede that if there is a God and he has a specific plan for you, you want to know that plan, right? I mean, if there is a God and he has a plan for you, you would want to know it. That's pretty important information. You would want to know that about the major decisions of your life, about what career path am I supposed to take? What college am I supposed to, do, to go to? Who am I supposed to marry? I mean, I want to make sure I marry the one. Am I supposed to stay here? Or am I supposed to move my family over there? This, these are important things. These are big decisions. And so God's will, it's important to us. But there's a second thing that I've learned about God's will. Not only is God's will important, but God's will is elusive. Right? It's elusive because, well, it just is. It's elusive. Because when you look at Christians who are facing a big decision in their life, they're always looking for God's will. They're always searching for God's will. They're always doing things like this. Maybe I'm the only one. You're looking for like signs and like divine coincidences. Y'all know what I'm talking about? All right, let me give you an example. So before um, I came to the creek, my wife, Jessie, and I, we lived in Somerset. And we had a plan for our life. Uh, I was doing filmmaking, and I was going to uh, move to, to Nashville with Jessie after she graduated college with an MBA. She'd have great opportunities there. Um, and, and I had some connections down there, and so I was going to go there. We felt like God's call on our life was, we're going to go do that. We're going to be Christians in the workplace. We're going to influence people. And that's the plan. And then Trevor contacted me, our pastor here at the Creek, and asked me, hey, why don't you think about moving over to London and being a part of our team there at the Creek? 
And so that was a major decision. That was a major shift in direction for us. Um, and so we, we talked about it. We prayed about it. We, you know, we're trying to figure out what do we do? How do we figure this out? And so I was praying one day uh, at the house and I was like, Lord, God, man, if you would just give me a sign, just give me a sign. I want to do what you want me to do. So why don't you just give me a sign? And so I get in my car that day to leave the house a few minutes later. I drive to the end of our road where there's a large billboard. And they had just changed the billboard. And apparently, London, the tourism commission or whatever, had been doing some marketing. And so they had put up a billboard there in Somerset. And it had the London, Kentucky logo, and below it, it had a tagline. This is home. Is that awesome or what? That would be awesome if it were true. <laughs> Sorry. But that's what we're looking for, right? We're like, God, give me a billboard, man. Give me a sign. Some of us, we talk a lot about open doors whenever we're talking about God's will. We're like, you know, God, open this door, or, or God didn't open that door, or God, God closed that door. Or we're looking for this thing called inner peace. Man, I just, I just can't get peace with it. And it's this elusive thing, like we're, we're, we're after it, we're trying, but it's like we just, we can't grab hold of it. What about this? Any of you guys ever done this? Bible roulette? Anybody? Y'all know what that is either? Come on. That's where you got a big decision to make. So you take your Bible, and you're like, Lord, give me a word. Proverbs eleven twenty six, People curse the man who hoards grain, but blessing crowns him who is willing to sell. We're selling the house, honey. <laughs> right? Bible roulette. It's like, God, you know. If you're in college looking for a spouse, don't play Bible roulette. Because you'll end up in Song of Solomon and you'll just marry the next one that comes along. <laughs> but that's what we do, right? We're just looking for God's will. We're looking for that, that play, that plan. Now in that basketball game, when we found ourselves in a, in a moment where we had to make a big decision about how we were going to try to extend this game and win, coach called a timeout. Coach called us over and he drew up the play for us and he explained it to us. And so my question is, is coach smarter than God? Because I kind of feel like I'm like, God, can you just tell me the play? Can you like draw it up for me? I mean, coach was able, he drew us pictures and everything. I was a circle and, and, and he was a circle and I, God, why is it that coach can, can show me the plan, but I can't seem to get you to tell me the play. That doesn't make sense to me, God. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. I don't know if maybe you feel like that right now. But that's a frustrating place to be because it leaves us asking this question right here. If God's will is so important, why is it so hard to find? God, if your will is so important, why is it so hard to find? Lord, why does it seem like you're running some kind of cosmic Easter egg hunt? with your will? Why does it seem like no matter what I do, 
I go out and I hunt and I hunt, but every day I come back and my, ba my basket's still empty. Why is it so hard, Lord? My question is, could it be, could it be that we keep coming back empty-handed because we're looking for the wrong thing? Could it be that we've believed something about God's will that has put us down a path and we've ended up in a place that feels very unstable? We've ended up building a belief on the sand. Could it be? Why? Why is it so hard? I think it's like this. I think if there is a cosmic Easter egg hunt, let's go with that analogy. I think we're out there and we're looking for the wrong thing. See, we're looking for polka dotted cubes. That's what we think we're looking for. And so we, we walk right past all the eggs and we can never find any of the polka dotted cubes. In fact, we walk right past what we need looking for what we can't find and what we'll never find. It's a fool's errand. Why is it so hard to find? It's because we're looking for the wrong thing. Because we have a misconception about God's will. We have a misconception that says this, that God has a blueprint for my life. That God has a blueprint for my life. See, somewhere along the way, we were kind of led to believe that. Maybe somebody told you, hey, God's got a plan for you, and then they didn't kind of fill in the blanks, or, or maybe you just heard bits and pieces of things or whatever. But for whatever reason, for, for many of us, we've kind of come to this belief that, that God has this blueprint for our life. And a blueprint is a very specific, highly detailed thing. I mean, it, it tells you everything. And that's how we viewed God's will. We believe that he has a highly detailed plan for our lives. We believe he, he has a specific preordained job, spouse, house we're supposed to live in, car we're supposed to drive. God's got a blueprint for our lives. And this is causing us to spend time looking for something that maybe doesn't even exist at all. And so, what does that do? That leaves us in every situation of life feeling like every little thing, every little decision is that game is on the line moment. It's that everything hangs in the balance moment. The ball's floating through the air. That's where that leaves us. And so I saw this illustration a little while back about how we understand God's will. It was helpful for me, so I'm gonna share it with you guys. Hopefully, it'll be helpful for you. So we've got God's works. Somebody complained about my handwriting in the last service. That's pretty good. <laughs> we've got God's works. So God's works are basically like God's big plan, okay? So that's God's works. Now, these are things that nothing can stop, okay? These are things that, that no force can stop this from happening. This is gonna happen no matter what. These are things like God telling Abraham and Sarah, you're gonna have a child. 
and Abraham and Sarah are like basically 100 years old. And they're like, that's not going to happen. That's not possible. But that was God's plan uh, for them to have Isaac. And so that happened. So these are things that are supernatural. The, the natural world can do nothing to stop these things. That's, that's God's works. And then you've got God's ways. You've got God's ways. And theologians, which I am not, would call this God's moral law. His moral law, this is about your behavior. This is about following the rules. This is the way you're supposed to be. And then here in the center, in the bullseye, we've got God's will. We got God's will. These are things, we would call them like personal guidance. So this is what we're asking about whenever we're seeking God's will. We're asking what, where, and who. Not who, wow, when. What, where, and when. Sometimes we're asking who. So we're asking, God, what, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to do? Where do you want me to do it? And when? Just tell me. If you just tell me these things, I'll go do them. And so that's what we shoot for. We shoot for that bullseye. And if we can get this, we feel like everything else will work itself out. That this here, getting this right, this is where everything hangs in the balance. And if we get this right, this all happens. And if we don't, it just all falls apart. And that's kind of the way that we have viewed God's will. Like there's a set play that's been called. Kind of like that night in Louisville when they called that play. So I let the ball go. and Boy, did it feel good. I'm pretty sure I left my hand up and went. <laughs> and buddy, it looked good too. You know what I mean? I knew it was going in. Back of the rim, clank, bounced out, and we lost. Remember how I said coach was gonna be mad? He was mad. I heard some words that night I had never heard before. Pretty sure he actually made up some cuss words. Uh, but that's where we find ourselves. Whenever we view God's will like this, we find ourselves in that moment. We find ourselves in every little situation feeling like, man, I have messed this up royally. God's going to be ticked at me. I've, I've messed everything up for, for the future of humanity. I mean, think about this. If, if you believe God has a blueprint for your life and he has a specific thing for each, each of us to do, and maybe a specific person for each of us to marry. You ever thought about this? If you marry the wrong person, then the person that you were supposed to marry is gonna marry the wrong person. And the person that you married is gonna marry the wrong person. And then all six of y'all are gonna be having kids that were never even supposed to exist. And so eventually you're gonna to get to a place in the world where we're populated with people who weren't even supposed to be here. So nobody is supposed to marry anybody, right? And because I married the wrong person, I've royally screwed everything up for humanity. That's what happens when you view God's will like this. 
But the truth is, the truth is, it's not a game plan. God doesn't have a game plan. I'm sorry, God doesn't have a blueprint, it's a game plan. See, I got ahead of myself. God doesn't have a blueprint, but he has a game plan. Now there are times in a game, like that moment that I described, where coach pulls you over and he, he draws up a specific play. But most of the rest of the time during the game, we were just operating inside of a game plan. Now a game plan, it's a set of guidelines and, and principles, if you will, that you are allowed to work within to accomplish whatever it is you're trying to do. So we're trying to score points. We're trying to score the basketball. We're trying to win this game. So there may have been, there may have been things in the game plan. Like, hey, we're gonna to try to get the ball down low to our big man. That's gonna be our strategy tonight for the most part. We're gonna screen and roll. When the ball gets to the weak side, we're gonna play the two-man game. You're gonna take what they give you. It's not like every time down the court we have a specific, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do this. And here's the beautiful thing about God's will being a game plan versus a blueprint. Because for some reason, when we hear that he doesn't have these specific things for us, for some reason it kind of, doesn't feel right. There's something in us that's like, ah. But the great thing is, a game plan gives you freedom and it gives you flexibility. And it takes the pressure off of you. And so God gives us a game plan. And so what we have to do is we have to change the way that we think about God's will. We have to change the way we approach God's will. And so no longer do we have God's ways here. but we move God's ways to the center and his will here. And so, instead of asking what, where, and when, God is saying, I'm not overly concerned with what you major in. I'm not overly concerned with where you go to college. And now I'm not even overly concerned with when you go. What I care about is how are you gonna act when you're there? And why are you there? See, we've gotta change the way that we view, we think about, and we believe about God's will. Here's the great thing, another great thing about this. God's will may seem elusive, but his ways are not. God's ways, how to live and why to live, they're spelled out for us. They're spelled out for us clearly in scripture. And so just from the book of Matthew, I wanna show you some of the ways of God, some of the ways that Jesus said we should live. Now there's, there's many more, this is not all inclusive, but this is just the book of Matthew. All right, first of all, Matthew 5, 37, keep your word. That's one of the ways of God. Love your enemies. That's one of the ways of God. Invest in eternity. Jesus told him, he said, don't go storing around treasures on earth because that's just gonna rust and it's gonna get destroyed. Store your treasures in heaven, invest in people, share the gospel. Don't lust, that's one of God's ways. He said, you have heard that you're not supposed to commit adultery, but I tell you, if a man lusts after a woman or if a woman lusts after a man, they've committed adultery already in their heart. Don't do that. The golden rule, treat others like you wanna be treated. 
or the way I like to understand it, don't be a jerk. Just don't be a jerk. Reconcile relationships. This is a big one. Because Jesus talks about if you're going to the temple there and you're giving something to God and you realize in the process of giving that you have a broken relationship with somebody else, stop what you're doing and go mend that relationship before you continue what you're doing for God. So it's a big deal to him that we have reconciled relationships with each other. It's a big deal. Be a servant, be a servant. His disciples were, were following him around and uh, they sent their mom up there to ask him, this is true, they sent their mom up there to say, hey, can my son sit at your right and left hand in your kingdom? So Jesus gets the boys together. He's like, listen, I know you've seen in the world people lord their authority over people and they lead that way and that's what you think greatness is, but that's not greatness. And he said, my way, if you're gonna follow my way, you have to be a servant if you wanna be great. That's one of his ways. He says, respect earthly authority. That can be a tough one. And then in the Great Commission, he says, go, teach people what I've taught you, and baptize them. Now, these are some of God's ways. These are some of the ways that he has told us to live. Those aren't elusive. Those are right there for us to see. There's more. There's, hey, you should forgive people. We talked about that last week. You should pray. He even gave us a model prayer. And then he told us a parable about a persistent widow to tell, to tell us you should pray consistently. You should pray continually. Just because your prayer's not getting answered, don't stop. You should pray. He says you should be a generous person. You should be generous. You should give of what you have. Sowing your investment in eternity, not here on earth. You should control your anger. You should control your anger. You should care for orphans and widows. I mean, we could go on and on and on. They're there, spelled out in black and white. But then he kind of sums everything up. The guys kind of came to him one day and they said, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest of all these ways? And in Matthew 22, 37, Jesus looks back at them and this is where we get the mission of our church. He says, basically love God and love people. He says, the greatest is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, on these two hangs all the law and the prophets. In other words, all the ways that I want you to live are wrapped up in this right here. If you will love God and you will love people. That covers it all. That covers it all. Now the thing is, scripture puts very, very, very little emphasis on these big life decisions that we tend to stress out about, right? Like if you look throughout scripture, there's not a whole lot of emphasis placed on, well, where am I supposed to go? Well, who am I supposed to marry? Well, what, what am I, the, 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 the what, the when, and the where. Scripture places very little emphasis on that, but what it does place emphasis on is living a godly life with godly character in the ways of God through daily obedience through just daily living that out and walking that. And that's because of this, because God's will for your life is less about what you do and it's more about who you become. God's will for your life is less about what you do 
And it's more about who you become. God is more concerned with you than all the stuff you're doing. He's more concerned about his relationship with you and your relationship with him. He's more concerned about crafting you into the type of person that he knows you can be and that he wants you to be. He's more concerned about you. And the problem with the blueprint mentality, when you think that God's will is a blueprint for your life, is that it skews your focus. It skews your focus away from the things that scripture focused on, which is living a godly life daily and, and, and walking in those ways. And it shifts your focus on finding something, on finding an answer, on getting a word, on receiving a sign, on, on getting peace with it. And so you're constantly going around, going about your life in search mode. You're always looking for something more. You're always, you're always looking for something else. It's never quite, you're never quite settled because you're after that, that polka dotted cube that you think is, is an Easter egg, but it's not. It doesn't actually exist what you're looking for. Now, college age kids, Christians specifically, the big deal with college kids, who am I supposed to marry? God, show me the one, God. And so they'll be asking, they'll be, they'll be getting counsel about do you think this is the right one and those kind of things. Now here's a question that somebody posed. I think it's a really, really, really good question. Have you ever considered that the key to a great marriage may be who you become and not who you find? Ever considered that? Have you ever considered that God is more concerned about who you become and that the key to making this thing successful is not whether you marry Tina or Susie. Because that's what we think, right? We think, Lord, what am I supposed to do? Lord, am I supposed to marry Tina or Susie? Tina or Susie? Am I supposed to buy the red car or the blue car? God, am I supposed to stay here or am I supposed to move? Just tell me what, when, where, what, when, where, what, when, where. Oh, I didn't find it there, so let me go over here and look. Let me get my Bible. Let me. And so we're just in this rat race looking for these answers. When all along, is it possible? Is it possible that God says, Tina looks like a great choice. Susie looks like a great choice. Pick. Pick. I'm not so much concerned about Tina or Susie as I am about how you're gonna do at being a husband. About how you treat Tina or Susie. About how you love them. And I'm also concerned about why you're marrying them. What's your motive? What's your heart? See, we've been seeing it and we've been, been having beliefs about God's will that have caused us to spend our time and waste, man, waste our time looking for something that probably doesn't exist. When what we need is right in front of us, it's been handed to us, the game plan exists. Solomon said it this way. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways 
Submit to him and he will make your path straight. So in all of your ways, submit them to him. Submit them to his ways. Do them the way he has said. And then this will all work itself out. He'll make your path straight. And then Paul to the Colossians says this. What's that word? What is it? Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus. Whatever you do, what am I supposed to do? Whatever you do, stop worrying so much about what, but whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. A couple of verses later, he says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might because you're working for God, not man. Whatever you do. And then to the Ephesians, Paul says it this way, follow God's example, follow God's way. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. He says, walk in the way that you saw Jesus walk. Walk in the way that he taught you to walk. Is it possible that when you're walking in his ways, you're walking in his will? Because I happen to believe that that's a much more healthy way to view God's will. And it seems by what's emphasized in scripture, that if you're walking in his ways, you're walking in his will. And that's great news. Why? Because the pressure's off. Every shot is not the game winning shot. The game is not on the line every time. You're not about to, if you make the wrong decision, mess up humanity forever. Pressure's off. It's a game plan. It's not a blueprint. It's not a set play. So you have freedom to just live your life within the game plan. Within the game plan. Now, this is not to say that God never has a specific will for something, for a decision that you're going to make. There are examples in Scripture of this but they're incredibly rare if you consider the fact that conservatively the scripture covers 4,000 years of history. So the chances of this happening to one of us, I'm not gonna say it's impossible because it's not. It's very unlikely. But here's what I know. Anytime God had a specific plan for someone, he let them know. Or he made it happen. One of the two. Even people who tried to go against what he had told them to do, he got them where he wanted them to be anyway. That's part of those works of God that nobody can stop. And so if there is something specific, the pressure's off too. Because God is good at being God. And if my high school coach knows if he has a plan for me that he needs to share it with me in order for me to execute it, I'm sure God knows that too. And I'm sure he's better at letting me know that plan. And so when you face a big decision, you don't know what exactly to do. There's no clear direction. 
Here's what you can do. Here's a couple of things. First of all, obey what you know, right? Obey what you do know. The fundamentals, the ways that we talked about, you know those things, love people, be generous. The golden rule, obey what you know and then get the facts. It makes sense. It's smart to get the information. All right, use the brain God gave you to make a calculated decision. Seek counsel. That's a great thing to do. Talk to other people about the situation. Find out what they would advise you to do. And then, and then, make a decision. Make a decision, and most importantly, move forward. Make a decision and move forward. Please, 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 for the love of God, do not spend any more time worried about trying to capture that elusive plan and, and, and blueprint that God has for your life. Please don't waste any more time begging God to give you that specific play. Please don't waste any more time wondering and worrying if 10 years ago when you did that, if that was off God's will and how that set the traje trajectory of your life to where it is today. And if you, could, if you could make that right or you could correct that or you could you know, fix what it, whew, come on. That's way too much pressure that we were never designed to carry. That's God's. That's God's. And there's grace that can overcome our mistakes. And so, stop looking for something that isn't there. That's a waste of time. I believe that the enemy would love nothing more than for you to just continue to waste time. Because if you're thinking about all that stuff and you're seeking that and you're spending your time trying to figure all that out, you know what you're not doing? You're not moving forward. If you're not moving, then you're not walking in his ways. And remember, when you're walking in his ways, you're walking in his will. His will's not hidden. It's not elusive. He shared the game plan with us and it sets us free to live the way that he wants us to live. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, God, we are grateful to you today. Lord, we're grateful for your love and we're grateful that you sent Jesus, your son, to this earth as a human to die for our sins, Lord. And God, we're thankful that because of that, we have hope and we have power and we have grace. And because of that, Lord, we have the privilege of being able to walk this earth to fulfill a game plan that you have for us. Lord, to go and teach people what you've taught us and baptize them in your name. Lord, and to make disciples, to make followers of Jesus, Lord. We thank you for the freedom that you give us to work within that plan, Lord. We thank you for the brain you gave us to make those decisions. And God, I pray that you would help us to not waste time, God, to not spend what little time we have on this planet seeking something that does not exist. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.